Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce you today, Rebecca Schmeling, who is the Senior Assistant Director of Undergraduate Admission at Emerson College, which of course is located in the heart of Boston's Theater District. Rebecca, I can't thank you enough for being here today. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing great, and I'm very excited to hear about everything that Emerson has to offer, both inside and outside of its classrooms. So let's get right to it. Rebecca, what are some of the things you personally love about Emerson that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Yeah, so like you mentioned, we're right in the heart of downtown Boston, which I think is one of our biggest appeals to students. You know, you step off of campus and you are just right in the heart of the city. We are right across the street from the Boston Common, which is our um, big public park, which is awesome for students to get to use. So, you know, you're in this very urban environment, but you still have that like green space right across the street. Um, You have small class sizes. So even though you're in the middle of a big bustling city, There's definitely that feeling of kind of tight-knit student body, and so that's really amazing. And then, you know, our classes are just very hands-on in nature, which I think is another thing that really appeals to students. All of our majors are very experiential learning focused, so you're going to be practicing your craft from day one. You know, if you're a journalism major, they're going to send you out onto the streets of Boston to start interviewing people on your first day of class. And, you know, for people who really love what they want to study, getting to to do that from such a early, you know, start um, is awesome. And, you know, also just we have such creative people on campus. It really is such a, a collaborative and creative environment with the majors that we have, you know, our communication and arts focus, 
everyone is kind of interested in similar things. There's folks who are super passionate about what they're studying. And so there's just this environment of creativity. There's always something new happening. You know, you can see people rolling by filming, uh, you know, <laughs> while you're walking to class. And so it's just that that environment of kind of creativity is really amazing. Well, I appreciate that intro, collaborative and creative environment in, of course, Boston, which is an urban environment. And you also mentioned the small class sizes, which is a great thing as well to really get to know not only your classmates, but professors. So we really appreciate that introduction, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Is there anything that makes Emerson's curriculum unique compared to other liberal arts colleges? Yeah, so... We call our liberal arts courses perspectives, and so we kind of aim to make them perspectives rather than kind of prescribed courses. So we have all different perspective things like, you know, history, diversity, ethics, and values, and students get to kind of choose what classes they want to take. So, you know, when I went to college, it was like everyone takes American History 101, <laughs> uh, but the classes that we have are much more kind of unique and I think really interesting. Uh, just some examples of some classes that students can take as part of the, that liberal arts um, curriculum are things like the science of mindfulness, black revolutionary thought, uh, radical women and contemporary world history, you know, so they're really kind of engaging courses and students get to choose which classes they're taking. And they're also taking them in conjunction with their major classes. So, you know, at some liberal arts colleges, you're going to take a lot of liberal arts classes before you get a chance to dive into your major. But we really ask students to do them in conjunction with their major. So they're taking their major classes from their first semester and then kind of bringing those liberal arts classes in, kind of weaving them in as well. Understood, and I appreciate that. And what are the different ways one can apply to Emerson, such as early decision or early action? And is there a benefit, Rebecca, to applying one way over the other? Yeah, so you can apply to Emerson early action, early decision, or regular decision as a first-year student. Early decision, as I'm sure your listeners know, is a binding decision. We actually have two rounds of early decision for this year, so you can apply early decision one or two. Just one round of early action, though. Um, some benefits of applying early, obviously for the student's benefit, you get your applications done with sooner and you get to find out your decision in December, which is always very nice. Um, there does tend to be a slightly higher admit rate for those early rounds, um, but you know, there's never going to be a humongous difference between applying early or regular. Um, you know, we're still doing a holistic application review of every applicant, but I always encourage students to apply early if they can, just because I think it gives you a little bit of a break before your winter break <laughs> <laughs> and you get a chance to kind of sit back and relax and wait for those decisions to come rolling in. The only thing, other thing I'll say is if a student is on a really strong upward trajectory, so maybe they struggled their first couple of years of, of high school, but they're really improving their grades semester over semester, then sometimes I will recommend that they apply regular decision just so that we can have a chance to see that first semester of senior year grades, you know, if they've really worked to, to improve their grades junior and senior year. 
Well, that's great advice and great insight in terms of determining when to apply. Like you said, if they're on an upward trajectory and they want those early grades and senior year to be part of the equation, mm -hmm. I really appreciate that insight. And I know obviously that Emerson has many great academic programs. Rebecca, which programs require a portfolio or an interview as part of your overall admissions process? Yeah, so we have a few. Um, so if you're applying as a comedic arts major, then we do require some type of um, sample, whether that be uh, a writing sample, a performance that you want to send in. Uh, for media arts production majors, we don't require anything, but we recommend that you submit some kind of creative sample. Um, so that could be something like a, a piece of a script you've written, photography, you know, a sound clip, anything along those lines. If you're applying for our specialty global BFA in film art major, um, we do require um, an additional creative sample for that one as well. And then for performing arts majors, if you're doing a performance-focused major like musical theater or theater and performance or theater education and performance, we do ask for an audition. Musical theater majors will do a pre-screen as well. And then if you're applying for kind of a backstage major like theater design, um, there's a portfolio and interview aspect. Um, and then there's an essay, an extra essay for theater and theater education. So. If anyone has specific questions about them, because there are a lot, they can always email me and I'd be happy to go over them. But yeah, there are a couple of those majors do have those extra requirements. Hey, podcast friends, are you or someone you know in need of some custom college gear? Prep Sportswear carries a wide variety of college fan gear and apparel, including T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. So whether you're getting ready to go to the game, hanging out on campus, organizing a college bed decorating party, or you're simply looking to build upon your college gear, Prep Sportswear has you covered. Check out our Prep Sportswear affiliate partnership link in the show notes for all the details. As an affiliate partner with Prep Sportswear, the podcast does receive a small commission if you make a purchase. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel that would benefit our listeners. And now, back to the show. Well, we appreciate that. And I've also received quite a few inquiries from students that are homeschooled and how the application differs for them. So Rebecca, can you share any insight in terms of how in fact it differs for students that are homeschooled? Yeah, so for the most part, the application would be pretty much the same. We do ask for um, you know, a transcript as best as they can send one. Um, and we, in the past, have required that homeschool students submit their test scores, but since we're still in the era of COVID and that being pretty challenging <laughs> at the moment, we're not asking for those test scores. So um, we will just ask for certain things like, you know, your homeschool registration number um, and grades and, th and things like that. We also recommend that if you've ever taken, a lot of homeschool students have taken courses, college courses, you know, one-off classes. If, if you've done anything like that, we obviously ask for those transcripts, but those are also great places to ask for letters of recommendation as well. Um, so if, if you've ever had a, a teacher outside of, you know, your parents or whatever homeschool group you've gone to, those are 
it's always kind of recommended that you submit some kind of outside person as your uh, letter of recommendation if you can. Well, we appreciate that. And of course, the transcript is the most important part of the academic portion of the overall application. Rebecca, can you walk us through what you're looking for when reviewing an applicant's transcript? Sure. So we read through all transcripts or we do a holistic review of all applications. So the transcript is just one piece, but especially as we get into this era of being more and more test optional, you know, the transcript does, as you say, become a bigger part of that um, uh, academic profile. So, you know, some of the things we're looking for, we're looking at for any instances of rigor, right? So if you've taken any AP college courses, dual enrollment classes, things like that. We do, however, look to see what was offered at your school. So I always don't like students to get nervous if they, there's only one AP class offered at their school and they didn't have room to take it. That's something we're looking at. So we're not going to expect you to take 10 APs if no APs are offered. Um, but if there are you know, options for rigor, we're looking to see if you took advantage of any of those. Um, we're looking at trends, right? So if you maybe struggled your first couple of years of high school, are you working to get those grades up? Um, and if there is kind of a hole in your transcript, maybe there was one class you really struggled with, you know, it maybe that grade is very different from the other grades you've gotten. I'm looking to see, did you write something in your additional information section to kind of let me know what happened there? If there's maybe a semester that was a real struggle because something happened at home, you know, that's always really helpful. I always tell students that we don't know anything you don't tell us. So, you know, um, keeping you know, keeping the counselor um, up to date and kind of letting us know if there, if there are any issues like that. Um, and... Yeah, looking at, you know, it's always great to see if students ha are applying for, you know, performing arts major, if they've taken, if their school offers those performing arts classes, if they're taking those classes. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at kind of every aspect of the transcript, um, but I would say the two main ones are the rigor and the trends. And I appreciate how you spoke about not being concerned if in fact your school only offers a few AP courses as opposed to other schools that may offer dozens upon dozens of different offerings at the AP level, IB level, or even dual enrollment. And so I'm assuming you look at the school profile so that you are well-versed in terms of what each and every high school offers, correct? Exactly. Yep. Very good. Well, we appreciate that. And what are some examples of college essays, right? Which of course is another part of the overall application. So what are some examples of college essays that left an impression with you? And what advice would you share with prospective students in terms of what to think about when sitting down and preparing to write their essay? Yeah, I love reading essays because they're kind of one of the only parts of an application where we get to hear a student's voice shine through. Uh, but I know that they can be very stressful for applicants. So, um, <laughs> You know, in terms of ones that have left an impression on me, it's funny because I always find that the essays that I come away from thinking like, wow, that was a great essay, are never about anything big. You know, I think students get this in their head that they have to have something like monumental happen to them in order to write a good essay. <laughs> but some of the best essays I've read have been about just like a simple moment. I had one last year uh, where a student wrote about picking herbs in the garden with her grandmother as they were 
making kind of a family recipe together. And just the reflection on what that meant to the student and the kind of the, the, the beautiful writing and the small details, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can be something as small as that. Um, so I always tell students, you know, don't, don't worry about writing. It doesn't have to be traumatic. It doesn't need to be, you don't have to have won your, some big award or like won the big game or something like that in order to um, make an impact. But just some kind of some general other pieces of advice. Uh, I tell students to think about what, what do you want me to know about you when I finish this essay? Because sometimes students will get really caught up in writing about something they're passionate about. You know, we have a lot of students who are interested in film, and a lot of times they'll come away from an essay and think like, well, okay, I learned a lot about that newest Marvel movie, but I didn't learn <laughs> a lot about you. So, you know, think about what, what you want me to have kind of come away with um, about you when you read it, uh, when you finish writing it. And then I also just try to always tell students to take a little bit of the pressure off. You know, it's it can be very stressful and, and students can get a lot of mixed messages about what counselors want and don't want to read. And I just tell students not to think about me. <laughs> don't think about what you think <laughs> I want to read. You know, write something that's true to you and, and then your kind of authenticity will shine through. Well, I appreciate how you talk about asking the student, what do you want me to know about you after I finish this essay? So I think it's very important, again, for students not to repeat what's already on other parts of the application, such as the activity sheet. Mm -hmm. So that's great insight. And, you know, I, I hear it all the time. If someone reads the essay and they haven't learned anything new about the student, then maybe it's a good idea for the student to go back to the drawing board and work a little harder because it's very important to understand that the overall application is a marketing tool about you students, and it's made up of many different parts. You know, there's the essay, there's the transcript, there's the activity sheet, your resume, and you want each part to build upon one another and create, like I said, this overall marketing package so that you're presenting yourself in the best light to Rebecca or whichever <laughs> admissions rep you're sending your applications to. So we appreciate that insight, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Sure. And aside from academics, Rebecca, what can you tell us about what makes a student stand out in the overall admissions process? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, when you look at the activities sheet. Um, we're looking for things like, have you had any leadership roles? And leadership can look different. You know, it doesn't have to mean that you're president of the student body, but maybe you had a job all throughout high school. Uh, maybe you have family responsibilities at home. Uh, maybe you're, you know, the, the treasurer of your uh, club, you know, and not necessarily the president, but still have a, an important leadership role. Um, so those are kind of some of the things that we're looking at, um, you know, things like how long have you been a part of this club or organization? Um, you know, do you have any, do your clubs show any passions that you have as, you know, especially with kind of the niche type of majors that we're looking at. A lot of students have passion for what they're doing. They've done a lot of it in high school. Um, some students, through their activity sheet can show, hey, I didn't have a lot of options at my school. You know, maybe I love film, but there are no film classes. There's no studio. 
but you know, I went and shadowed a uh, a local news station, you know, just to, to make sure I still liked it. You know, that's always a great thing to see things like that. Students taking initiative, um, so that's really great. And then, um, you know, the letters of recommendation are always really helpful as well. Um, a lot of students ask me if we read them, <laughs> uh, which, <laughs> yes, yeah, so we do read them. At least at Emerson, we definitely read them, um, and those can always be a great place to find out additional information that maybe didn't come through in the rest of the application. Um, but that's a great, a great place as well that students can really be strategic about who they're choosing to write their letter of recommendation, right? You know, asking someone that knows them well is always really helpful. Um, you know, sometimes you can, you can tell through a letter of recommendation that the the teacher doesn't really know the student all that well. So that can help <laughs> a student stand out as a really great letter. Um, yeah, and obviously, as we just talked about, the essay is, is always a great way to stand out as well. Well, we appreciate that. And yes, students, the letters are read along <laughs> with every part of the overall application. I also appreciate, Rebecca, how you talked about taking initiative. You spoke specifically about a potential film major. If you're in a high school that doesn't have film classes or doesn't have a studio, taking initiative and working outside of your school um, is also a great way to show to college that you're really interested in pursuing, in this case, film as a major and hopefully as a career. So we really appreciate that insight. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And I was also curious, does Emerson offer any support for students that may have had an IEP while in high school to help ensure that they continue to be successful once they're at Emerson? Yes. Yeah, so we have... Um in a student accessibility services office, and they are really great at helping students navigate any kind of accommodations that they need in college. My one big piece of advice to all the students that I talk to who do have an IEP or need any kind of accommodations, whether that be for physical or mental health, is to be very proactive and to meet with the Student Accessibility Services Office as soon as you can. Um, a lot of students kind of will tend to wait until classes have already started. Um, and it's always better if you can get that kind of uh, filed away before everything gets crazy. So um, there are definitely lots of different um, accommodations that, that that office can help with. You know, we have tutoring centers and all kinds of things that can support students. But, you know, as, as with uh, most things, you kind of need to raise your hand with those kind of things, right, and make sure that you're being proactive and, and letting people know that you need that support. So I always just recommend that students do that as soon as they can. Well, we appreciate that. And by the way, in the show notes of the podcast, I will list the Emerson College Office of Undergraduate Admission. Rebecca, if there is anything else that you want me to include, just provide it to me. And of course, I'll make it available to the students and their parents. Now, this has been a great conversation, but unfortunately, Rebecca, it leads us to our last question, <laughs> which is, what are your top three pieces of advice you would provide a student and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? Yes. So I would say number one, always start with narrowing it down because there are hundreds of colleges that you can look at and it can get really <laughs> stressful and overwhelming. And I actually used to work with high school students to help them with their list making um, in my last role. And, you know, 
there, you might not know what you want. You might not know what major you want yet. You might not know, you know, where you want to be, but there are probably a couple of things you can think of that can help you narrow it down. So you might want a big school. You might want small classes. You might want to be in an in an urban environment, you might want to be on like a sprawling campus, you know. So those are all ways that you can start narrowing it down, which is going to just make you less overwhelmed. So, you know, finding those couple of things that you can pick out that you think you want versus not wanting. Um, and then I guess number two would be to start going on visits as soon as you can. And it doesn't even have to be visits to your top schools. It can be a visit to a college in your area. But the more visits you go on, the more you start to see, oh, this school does X. And I think that's really cool. And then that can help you kind of keep narrowing, right? So you, you might say, oh, they have a um, a TV studio. And I think that's really awesome. And then you can start looking for other colleges that have that. Or, you know, you can say, oh, a lot of the students that go to the school don't live on campus. And I don't think I like that. I think I want to be at where a lot of people are on campus. So, you know, even if it's not the right school for you, going on those visits can help you just kind of start narrowing that down even more. Um, and then my third piece of advice I give all college students or high school students that I talk to is that you can have a great college experience almost anywhere. Um, I think there's this myth that there's like the perfect college for you that is, you know, just going to make all of your dreams come true. And, <laughs> you know, there are, there are good matches and maybe less good matches, but if you find something you're passionate about, if you're proactive, if you get involved, if you, you know, try to, to meet people and follow the things you're interested in, almost any school can be a great experience. And, you know, I think we need to kind of uh, start moving away from this idea that like, if you don't find the perfect school, you're going to have a terrible college experience and it's not going to be everything you hoped for. Um, if you're proactive about it, I, I really do think you can have a great experience anywhere. Um, and also if you don't, you know, that we need to also remove a little bit of the stigma around transferring. You know, there's, we have lots of great transfer students at Emerson who found a home where they didn't find one in their first school. So, you know, you're not locking yourself in to a horrible experience if you, if you don't love it. Um, and actually, I guess just one final piece is to really do consider the financial aid, um, offerings at the schools that you're looking at and really think about if it is going to be, you know, a financially um, feasible decision for you before you start getting really invested <laughs> into a school. Um, always ask those questions about financial aid and, and see what what options there are and start applying for private scholarships before you start applying to colleges because that'll give you a lot more flexibility for where you can go. Well, those are great pieces of advice. Narrow it down. Do you want a big school, small school, urban environment, suburban environment? Visit. Even if you can't visit schools that might be far away, visit schools in your area, which will give you an idea of the types of aspects that you're looking for in your ideal school. And know that there are many schools that you could attend and be successful at. And in case you do attend a school and you're not happy, you're absolutely right. 
you know, transferring is always an option. And I also appreciate that you talked about financial aid, and that's something that students and families should discuss early so that there are no surprises later on. And so, Rebecca, I can't thank you enough. I'm truly happy because I know that this conversation is going to help so many students and their parents. We really appreciate your time and insight today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.